Here comes the Here comes the Here comes the Y'all don't really want it like that Welcome to the Red Shirts Fantasy Football Podcast, back for probably the final time officially about the 2018 season, and we'll probably start to more talk about future things, but definitely we're recapping everything that happened this year. We're going to talk about some MVPs, some waiver wire heroes, some busts, unfortunately, some players busted for you this year, but uh, I'm joined by my co-hosts, Matthew uh, Betts and Matt Okada, gentlemen, uh, did first of all, did you bring home any hardware? Did we win any championships this year? Okada, go ahead. Not a single one. <laughs> <laughs> the reason yeah. I lost multiple. We'll finals. get that out of the way. <laughs> the reason I let you go first, Okada, is because I wanted to hear you say that. <laughs> Not a single one. Unlike Okada, I did bring home uh, a couple of championships, uh, so it was a good couple of weeks there in week sixteen. So, um, yeah, it was fun. Yeah, I won two uh, real leagues myself. One was my home league that I've been in for quite a while. And the other one, of course, as you might know, is the Red Shirts Listener League. I am the champion! Um, no, honestly, it was really close, uh, that final match. So, Corey, uh, good job making it to the finals and and making me worry a little bit. But I ultimately did take home that uh, that trophy. So, um, but yeah, that was, that was it for me. So, that was nice. It was a good year, but uh, still pretty exciting. Let's go ahead and talk about news. It's going to be a little bit different than maybe previous times, but we we'll, we'll, we got some stuff to talk about. I've just been handed an urgent and horrifying news story. And I need all of you to stop what you're doing and listen. All right. Well, since it's now in, well, I guess you could call it fantasy postseason. I mean, we still have the NFL postseason to go through. Um, which I'm going to ignore completely because the Vikings lost and the Eagles are in, and bets I hate oh. you forever. <laughs> I, had to, yeah, I had to text you there, Kent, to throw some shade your way. No, oh, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> I mean, I, I love it, and uh, uh, it was just really disappointing. But anyway, uh, there's still NFL football going on for a little while, but it, as far as fantasy goes, we're in postseason mode. We're now trying to kind of like sum up everything, figure out what we know, and uh, take that information heading into next year. So the biggest changes certainly – in the offseason are a change in the head coach. Now, we had six teams already ditch their head coach. It's probably going to be it, but um, there's always there, there may be a late one. But let's just run down the list real quick. Todd Bowles, New York Jets, out. Adam Gase, Miami Dolphins, out. Vance Joseph, Denver Broncos, see ya. Dirk Cotter, uh, Tampa Bay Buccaneers, later. Marvin Lewis, Cincinnati Bengals, Gone, and then Steve Wilkes after his first year, which is that stinks. Ouch. Uh, for the Arizona, uh, I almost said Coyotes. I'm like, I'm already in hockey mode. See, I've already forgotten about football. No, the Arizona Cardinals. <laughs> he got fired. So, um, I guess you know, pick maybe a name or two. Which one do you think is the most interesting as far as how it could affect things going forward for that club? For fantasy purposes, the one that stands out to me is probably Adam Gase. Because he was probably the one who had the greatest effect on fantasy that I can tell just based off his weird, unpredictable, mostly stupid usage of his running backs. So I think if a new head coach comes in, we might get some real clarity there. 
Uh, I don't imagine Frank Gore will be back, although he says he wants to play again. He's injured right now, but he says he wants to come back for a 15th season. Woo. Uh, That's crazy. But yeah, it, with Gase out of the way, and he's he's had these weird like hate relationships with his players, Devonte Parker too. So if we get someone in there that's more sensible and that that actually uses the players that he should use properly, then we might get some fantasy goodness there that we haven't gotten in a while. Yeah, I, I like that call, and I'll go ahead and jump in here with mine. I'm gonna actually go with Dirk Cutter of uh, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers because. Historically, his approach has been to just let it fly on offense, and we've seen that be so beneficial for whoever the quarterback is, whether it be Fitzpatrick or Winston, and all the pass catchers in O.J. Howard, Cameron Bray, Mike Evans. I mean, you name them, they were productive. So uh, that's something that I loved from that offense because we know how bad the defense was, and we knew what was going to happen each week in the passing game, which was a ton of production. So, you know, if they get someone that comes in that's more of a defensive-minded coach, which that team desperately needs – you know, they could try to shift towards the running game if they find, you know, a legit running back. Hint, hint, it is not Ronald Jones. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so that's Got that could definitely affect uh, those pass catchers and the quarterback down in Tampa. So that's something that I'm interested to see what happens here in the offseason. Well, I think you guys took the best two. So I'm going to go ahead and give you a dark horse candidate here. Um, I think Todd Bowles out of the New York Jets is probably kind of intriguing the most to me. I, I think that this team has a lot of offensive talent and they just never really found a way to put it together and Sam Darnold you know starting rookie uh, quarterback so it was it was going to be rough no matter what with them I personally don't really think Tobbles is a good head coach so I can see this being like a big turnaround especially if they hire someone uh, who's offensively savvy going forward this offense could have a nice turnaround for uh, the 2019 season so I'd be excited about that. Also, quick side note, I know these guys got fired a long time ago, but two other coaches got fired this year that will be looking for new guys, and that's True. Hugh Jackson and Mike McCarthy. And the the Packers situation might be one of the most interesting overall of teams that need new coaches because you've got Aaron Rodgers, you've got those passing weapons, you've got the running backs that McCarthy didn't use right, uh, similar to Gase, and they're looking at Josh McDaniels, we know, why i don't know how that will work maybe he'll sign something and then back out <laughs> yeah he did the, he uh, did the just if, kidding last year <laughs> exactly but if they get somebody uh good that could that offense could explode after a really down year yeah no i i, I agree with that so um keep an eye on who gets hired for these head coaching jobs you know there's going to be a lot of you know news stories and stuff out there so make sure you read up and know what they're all about um, because that kind of stuff can turn them into the next McVeigh or Nagy or someone like that. So we'll keep eyes on those head coaching situations as the off since, uh, excuse me, off season rolls through. Uh, let's talk a little bit about Antonio Brown. Now, when he missed, it was week 17, right? That he missed the game. Yeah, it was week due yes. to due to he was benched I- injury. Yeah, quote uh-huh. unquote. Uh, he had an injury, and, and apparently Mike Tomlin has doubled down on the fact that he was injured. So we'll we'll see how this shakes out. But basically, there's a lot of drama right now between Antonio Brown, Ben Roethlisberger, Tomlin, Le'Veon Bell's name has been brought back up. I mean, this team has just been uh, pretty dysfunctional as of late. Do you do you think that there's a possibility that Antonio Brown uh, gets traded from the Steelers? I think that there's definitely a possibility. So to answer the question you asked, yes. Whether it happens or not, I'm not I don't think it's too likely. 
he's too good to just trade away. Honestly, and I'll tell you my honest thoughts on the matter, I wanted Mike Tomlin to get fired. I've been touting that for a long time because I think that his inability to control his players in the locker room is really the crux of all of this mess. So I don't care that he's won a lot of games, which I think he's mostly done because he's got really, 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 really good players. I think he should be gone, but he's not. I think this drama is probably going to continue. I, I don't see him getting traded, but it certainly is possible. Yeah, I mostly agree with that statement. I will say uh, I saw a an image on Twitter. I can't remember who posted this, so I apologize to whoever it was. But basically, it was outlining the fact that you know, despite his heavy contract, there are outs in the contract that make it not so you know um, unlikely that he gets traded. So it definitely is possible, like Okada said. And you know, I mostly agree too with the fact that Tomlin, I feel like, has lost control of this locker room to a degree and of the team to a degree. I mean, you've got all these big name players and these stars and yes, they've won games and yes, they've been really competitive in the playoffs and all that kind of great stuff, which keeps coaches around. But at the same time, I'm starting to wonder, is this the beginning of the end for the Steelers? Ooh, it's um, certainly a possibility. I mean, I, I kind of had um, like a, like a tab on Ben Roethlisberger um, even before last off season. I was like, is this going to be Ben's final year? You know, he's kind of getting to that point where he's – and he tossed around the idea of retirement uh, last offseason, I want to say. It it was okay. shut down fairly quickly, but um, I, I would not be shocked if Ben just up and retires, what, like one day this offseason. Like, I won't be shocked in the slightest. So, if that happens, I guarantee – I mean, even, even if there is beef between Ben and players on the team – I don't think that's good for the Steelers, and I agree it will lead towards the downfall of their uh, their franchise. Okay, so a fun question in response to Betts' downfall prediction. Who wins the most division titles in the AFC North over the next, let's say, five years? Uh, the Browns. I agree. I, I mean, I, it depends on who the coach yeah. is. Uh, I was going to say potentially the Ravens. They've been. They're always. They're always in it. Very good. Till the end of the yep. the season, they don't always capitalize. But um, I like what Lamar Jackson's doing there in Baltimore. Yeah, that's a good point. It's uh, you know, he's got to work on his throwing a bit. But other than that, I think he's he's looked pretty dang good this year. All right, let's go ahead and move on over to talking a bit about some more drama. It's just the drama show. We just talk and gossip a lot. Um, it's about Leonard Fournette though, and honestly, I I have to be honest here. I don't know. Oh, this is this about him being benched with uh yeldon in the last game there well it's some of it is stems from that tom coughlin got really upset about him and yeldon on the bench but what what it is is they the team voided the guarantees in his contract so you get certain guarantees in your contract of a certain amount of money even if you get injured or etc but his suspension earlier this year and his behavior they, they have loopholes, I guess, in that contract that allow them to void his guaranteed money. So he's not guaranteed any money on the remainder oh, of his contract. Okay. Basically, they hate him and yeah. want him gone. Yeah. That's not a good look. Yeah, that's another franchise that, man, what a turnaround, right? Like, last year at this time, they were making their playoff push and getting ready to, to give the Steelers a run, you know, in, in late in the playoffs. And then... Now they were the laughing stock of the league, and apparently beat reporters are saying they're going to blow up the team. They don't know who their quarterback is. I mean, it is absolutely a mess uh, down there in Jacksonville, despite having, air quotes, an elite defense. 
Yeah, and I I do think Fournette will be gone by next year. Whether they trade him if they can't or literally cut him. He honestly was not good this year. He's had terrible injury bugs that stick around and he doesn't recover well from them. He He doesn't seem like that disciplined or motivated of a player and I don't think they like that. Yeah, and um, you know they're they're certainly in dire straits here with the quarterback situation as well. And uh, frankly, we're we're just getting into draft season here, but this is not a good year if you want a quarterback early in the draft. So uh, I fully expect another just terrible Jaguars season next year, and they're gonna they're gonna look for a twenty twenty uh, quarterback. Okay, so more more fun speculation questions. Yeah, this is a, you know a speculation pod. We yeah. get to have some fun. I feel like it's loose. Let's say Nick Foles takes the Eagles to the NFC Championship game. He'll, he'll lose there, but let's say he takes them there. If you're the Jaguars, do you trade, let's say, Jalen Ramsey and a first-round pick to get Nick Foles? And, bets if you're the, the Eagles, do you take it? Oh, my gosh. I don't think so. I think this team is, is very, very committed to Carson Wentz, and they've been very public in that, and I think that... No matter what happens this this postseason, even though I love Nick Foles and he was amazing last year in the postseason, it could happen again. But this team is very committed to Carson Wentz, and I don't see that changing regardless of what happens in this postseason. Oh man, I what did, what was the offer you you said for Jalen Ramsey and a first? Oh God, I take that. I mean, I you know I'm an outsider here. You're an Eagles fan, but I take that in a heartbeat if I'm an Eagle if I'm an Eagles GM. If- if you're the Jaguars, do you make that that kind of offer mm, for a proven no, be- quarterback? No, because I they they just have too many problems. They're not going to be able to fix it with a with a you know, I, you know quote unquote a backup QB. Foles has been pretty good mm. when he does start, but um, I, I just don't think that's the fix. That's not going to be the solution for their team. So no, I would not. Another thing is that first round pick this year, I believe, if I'm not mistaken, is that top ten? The Jaguars, yes, I think it's yeah, ten. So it's, I mean, Ooh. that's. A huge asset in you know NFL yep. terms, so yeah, I don't think so. All right, well we'll we'll keep tabs on how that goes this off season. We'll see if they cut or try and trade or whatever with Fournette. I mean that was ultimately what we're talking about. So uh, we do have confirmation from the Bills that Lashawn McCoy will be back on the roster in 2019 for the final year of his contract. He will be what 46 years old? Is that did I <laughs> am I close? Seems no, yeah, right. running back. Years, I think he's yeah. 30. I think he's going to be 30. Two right. I I just that's off the top of my head. Um, I believe by the time it's, he's in I believe season, it's thirty one. Is it just thirty one? Okay. Well, uh, anyway, the point still stands. If you're not Frank Gore, that's probably not a good sign. Um, so I, I you know I I thought McCoy was going to be a fine value this year, and he really didn't do what I was expecting. And I, I don't think there's any way he increases his touches next year. I mean, he just doesn't mesh with Josh Allen. To be perfectly honest, I don't think there's much of a of a uh, benefit to Josh Allen starting for Lashawn McCoy's fantasy prospects. Yeah, in general, we talk about running quarterbacks being good for for running backs because they open up the defense a little bit. But when you're running for a hundred yards a game like Josh Allen is, there isn't enough room in the rushing attack for another good fantasy asset. So. I don't imagine that will keep up at quite that level for Josh Allen, but I kind of agree McCoy's upside is limited in this offense. Yeah, 100%. And the reason I think he's still going to be on the radar in fantasy next year is because, A, if this rumor is true, he'll be a starting running back. Of course, those hold value. The other thing is, you know, the volume 
argument for McCoy has been there every single year since he's been in Buffalo, and it's only worked out the first year or two of his contract. In recent years, he really hasn't gotten that much volume, um, and as of you know, as a result, whether it be injury or just the team having to play catch up because they've been so bad, it just hasn't worked out. And so I was off McCoy this past season in drafts. I will not own any of him next year. I can guarantee you that. Um, yeah, it's a situation that I truthfully don't want anything to do with next year in drafts. All right, and then on a similar note, we have also confirmed. Uh, excuse me, we have also confirmed, <laughs> have confirmed via the Bucks. Yeah, I said the really word. I was. I, I had like two sentences in my head, and they clashed with each other. So, uh, the Bucks have confirmed that Jameis Winston will remain their starter in 2019. I think this is the right choice. Uh, Ryan Fitzpatrick was never that mirage that weeks one through th- three were. That was. I still can't believe the the season Ryan Fitzpatrick has had. It's been so obscure, but. Uh, Winston starting going forward. Any thoughts on that? I think it's the right move. Like you said, I mean, he's proven, I think enough in this league that he is a starting caliber quarterback. I don't know that he's going to win any championships or make any strong postseason pushes. He just hasn't shown us that next level, but yeah, I mean, he's still on his rookie deal and you know, he's like I said, shown enough and they've got pieces around him that I think he can still be effective. Uh, but like we talked about at the top of the show too, you know, a lot of that's going to depend on, the coaching staff that comes in here uh, this year. Yeah, that one's definitely going to be one to watch because of what you were saying earlier about Cutter's kind of free-flying style. But for Winston himself, we have to remember, this guy is a first overall draft pick who had incredibly productive seasons to start his career, but had this horrific turnover bug that got him benched. And over the very last several games of this year, it seemed like he kind of worked those out. Or he started being more conservative, at least. Probably because he knew his job was on the line. So I think there's honestly a pretty high ceiling for Winston in the future. Depending on who the coach is a little bit. But even if it's just an average guy with those weapons, Winston's probably going to be on my QB1 radar for a while. And Okada, last year you you wrote an article about him going into the season, right? As a top 12 quarterback, is that right? I did. That sounds very familiar. <laughs> we we tend to sometimes forget about guys we hype up. <laughs> <laughs> he, he, I don't even know if that one's a success or not because he was good for <laughs> fantasy when he played, but then he sat on the bench for half the game. I think your well, I rationale mean, and your research behind it, I fully support. It just didn't work out the right. way it was supposed to. L- luckily, luckily with Winston, if he wasn't playing, you didn't start him. So True. at least you True. got to start someone else those weeks. And then when you did start him, he was probably good. So I'll give you that. I'll give you that. All right. Well, let's go ahead and move on to the over-unders. I'll bet you 20 bucks I can get you gambling before the end of the day. Now, we're not going to be doing any more over-unders for, uh, well, we obviously didn't do them for week 17. We just did what the regular fantasy football season is, week uh, weeks 1, 2, week 16. So... The last week was week 16, and we have some scores we need to talk about. Before week 16, I had uh, 37, Okada had 33, and Betts had 36. Well, let's go through the scores real quick. We are talking about Mm. Mitch Trubisky, Christian McCaffrey, T.Y. Hilton, George Kittle, and then in the flex we were doing Allen Robinson against Kalen Balazs. Trubisky was projected for 18.8. I took the over. Okada and Betts took the under. He scored 12.14. Yeah, he did. Oh, boy. 
Christian McCaffrey was projected for 19.8. And if you might remember, we had a fun little side bet that if he went over 25, you'd get double points. Well, he didn't make it there. But I did still give you the point, Okada, because you took the over and uh, myself and Betts took the under there. T.Y. Hilton was projected for 13.9. I took the under. Okada took the under and Betts took the over. And he scored 17.3. George Kittle was projected for 11.1. I and Betts took the over, and Okada took the under. He scored 10.9. Point two points. Ooh, come under on, George. Projection. Wow. Let's go, George. That was, that was a good one there for uh, Okada. And then in the flex, it was, uh, again, Allen Robinson against Kalen Balaj. I took A-Rob. Betts took A-Rob, and Okada took Balaj. Well, Allen Robinson outscored Balaj 10.4 to 5.9. And if you're keeping track of the scores at home... The ultimate winner for the over-under segment of the 2018 season is Matthew Betts. The final score, the final score tally was 39-38-36. So very close. Wow. Uh, across the board. Yeah. Um that was a good comeback, honestly. And uh it was fun all year, honestly. I mean, it was just back and forth and all, all, always these different ideas. And, yeah, it was, it was a good segment. So thanks, guys, for sticking with that. That was a lot of fun. Bets, you are the champion for the 2018 season. Uh, Okada, me and you, we got we to gotta tag team mm-hmm. next year and take them down yep. now. So, down. Well, I have to go first um, every week now? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> for, the, for the 2019 season, bets always goes first. Oh, I, I like that rule. I'm not, I'm not afraid of a challenge. We can do that. <laughs> all right. Well, um, yeah, we'll keep that in the back pocket until week one 2019 rolls around. For now, let's talk about 2018, do a little bit of a recap. Up first, we're going to talk about the guys uh, that probably helped win your league. They are the MVPs. You sacrificed for us. <laughs> you the real MVP. These are the guys that you drafted, most likely. I mean, we're talking, we'll talk about drafted guys with MPVs. Uh, we'll talk about the waiver guys later. But these are the guys you probably were able to draft later in the rounds. It depends. But they won you your league. They were there for you all season. They had huge performances. I mean, whatever variation of this you really want to talk about, go ahead and explain. But Okada, tell me who your 2018 fantasy MVP is. All righty. This, this was a tough one for me. I wanted to hold on to Todd Gurley because I love him so much. But his draft price was incredibly high, and he kind of, I wouldn't want to say fell off a cliff, but he didn't quite come through for you in the playoffs like you were hoping. So I went with a tight end. And I went with a tight end largely because if you didn't have one of the top, let's say, six tight ends, barely, including Jared Cook, maybe even just five, you probably didn't win a championship. And the guy I'm going with is Eric Ebron. Uh, I barely chose him over George Kittle, who you may hear about at some point, for two reasons. One, his draft spot was just behind Kittle's. Ebron went in the 13th round. Kittle went in the 12th. But two, and this is the main reason I chose him, is because if you guys all remember, which hopefully some of you were around for this, we had a bold prediction episode, and we had a listener-sponsored bold prediction from DFF underscore walk that Eric Ebron would be a top five tight end. And I championed this uh, fellow's bold prediction and said, yes, it's going to happen. He's going to be the red zone target on that team. Eight plus touchdowns. I went back actually and listened to what we talked about. 
all of that came true. He had 13 touchdowns, which was the Ooh. second most in the NFL behind only Antonio Brown. He averaged 11.8 half PPR fantasy points, which is just below the Kelsey Ertz Kittle super tier that was established this year. But he was so reliable and so good for the draft price. 110 targets, by the way. And uh, wow. that some That's of that incredible. is because, yeah. Some of that is because Jack Doyle was missing, but I don't think going into next year that we should expect Jack Doyle's return, if it happens, to be too much of a danger to Ebron because of how good he was with his opportunities this year. So I think if you got yourself Eric Ebron late, you had one of the best tight end deals in the whole draft, and you had a very good shot at a championship. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I, I, mean I, can, I can attest to that. I had Eric Ebron on a couple rosters, and he was just – booming man i mean it was unbelievable how many you know it did require jack doyle kind of going to ir i think if he had been healthy for the remainder of the season that it might have evened out a little bit but ultimately that's not what happened so we can celebrate the fact that eric ebron was one of those guys that uh was probably drafted late um strong starting candidate most of the year in the tight end position which is something that is rare these days so yeah i love this pick yeah, it's it's pretty remarkable, especially considering what he did during his first few seasons in Detroit, which was absolutely nothing. Um, it's it's one of those things that you have to remember, especially if you play in any dynasty leagues, you know, or, or any keeper leagues too. Is the fact that these tight ends, like we see, they take a lot of time and a couple of years to actually develop into the players that they could be coming out of college. The game is so different for the tight end position at the college level versus the NFL. So you know, if you gave up on Ebron too early you certainly missed out on the upside of what he could have provided this year. Um, I definitely was not as bold as Okada in saying he was going to do what he did, but I also liked his opportunity there, um, and it just worked out, man. He was absolutely fantastic, and like Okada said, he was 100% a league winner this year. I don't know if you remember, Okada. I actually kind of joined you in this one. I didn't really take much credit for it, but uh, I, I was all on the Ebron train as far as his talent goes before this season, too. I, I do, and I also remember that Jason Moore tried to steal the Eric Ebron prediction from me on the yeah, show. Yeah, that's right. And I wouldn't let him. I do recall that. Well, we'll have to call him out for that, I think, but uh, that's good. <laughs> All right, let's uh, let's swing it over to bets. Tell me who your MVP candidate is for uh, 2018. Yeah, there was a lot of obvious names, I think, that we could have gone with here, guys that you know play the the high upside and you know the sexy positions the running backs the wide receivers but i'm going with okada here i'm going with the tight end as well and my fantasy mvp is george kittle the single season receiving yards leader in nfl history at 1377 yards this year he was outstanding um we already talked about it a little bit with okada saying that you know these guys were drafted so late kittle was taken as the tight end 13 not even a tight end one Behind guys like Jimmy Graham, Greg Olson, Evan Ingram, Kyle Rudolph, David Njoku, what? Jordan Reed. I mean, <laughs> the names, are, it's just, of course, hindsight's twenty twenty. but you look at this and you're like, what were we thinking, you know, not realizing what Kittle could do? Um, you got him in the 10th or the 11th round in 12-team drafts, which is just phenomenal. That allowed you to go ahead and stack, you know, big-name receivers and big-name running backs. Uh, and it was just a, a fantastic season for George Kittle finishing as a tight end three overall. The thing that I thought was was super interesting, you know, I always like to do this across positions is look at, okay, you know, what are these receiving backs? What would they finish as, let's say Christian McCaffrey, if you just took his receiving yards and, and touchdowns and all that kind of stuff, 
where would he finish as a wide receiver? When you do the same thing for George Kittle, he would have finished as the wide receiver 15 on the year. He is a wide receiver two in fantasy ahead of guys like Brandon Cooks, Omari Cooper, Jarvis Landry, Corey Davis, and Larry Fitzgerald. George Kittle, fantasy MVP. Nice. Hell yeah. And the best part about uh, him is he loves fantasy football. Yeah, I was just—I was actually going to say that he—he's on Twitter. He's cool, man. I mean, he just—he—he's like, "Hey, fantasy owners, I'm gonna—I'm gonna have an awesome week 16 for you. I'm gonna go out there and catch the ball, get you those fantasy points." I was like, "You—you're awesome." Okay, so this is the—I think this is the kind of the big question. I don't know if you guys have seen it going around, but I'll ask you, Bets. Do you think Jimmy G returning actually makes? him better potentially as a fantasy asset next year or is it possible that the backups kind of really relied on Kittle more than Jimmy G will and they might bring in a receiver and we might see him fall back out of that super elite tier what are your thoughts no I don't think it really matters a ton I don't think it matters who's throwing him the ball and we saw that he was effective with all three quarterbacks you know Jimmy Garoppolo CJ Beathard and then late in the year Nick Mullins so the pass uh the passer I should say for me, it doesn't really matter, but I do predict that the Niners will go out and sign either a big-name receiver or try to draft one to build on what they've got in Dante Pettis. You know, the end is coming for Pierre Garçon. It was a very disappointing year for Marquise Goodwin, and so maybe this was the result of the fact that he was kind of the only legit receiving option they had this year on a week-to-week basis. So I'll be interested to see you know who they sign as far as other pass catchers that could potentially take some away from Kittle but to be honest even if they do take a little bit away I still think he finishes as a top five tight end next year so I would definitely be comfortable drafting him you know in the top four to five rounds of of drafts next year Kittle played three games with Jimmy Garoppolo this season the first three games of their year obviously um, until Garoppolo got hurt game one nine targets five receptions 90 yards Game two, a little bit of a letdown. Four targets, two receptions, 22 yards. Game three, seven targets, five receptions, 79 yards. No touchdowns in that stretch, but I'm gonna, I'm not gonna really take that to mean anything. Like he, like Garoppolo won't use him in the end zone or anything like that because there's just a lot of variance there. So I am not worried about Jimmy G playing for uh, George Kittle next year. Like it. All right, I'll go ahead and wrap up the uh, fantasy MVP section here for 2018 with, well, the obvious answer. I mean, someone had to say it. Patrick Mahomes is the fantasy MVP for 2018. And not not just that, for all time. That was officially the highest scoring fantasy season ever put on record by anyone in any position. Patrick Mahomes was winning people weeks like half the time. Um, he only had two games with less than two passing touchdowns all season. He was just um, like, if you had Mahomes, you did. It didn't matter who the rest of your lineup was. You just had to scrape together like forty collective points, and you were able to get something going. Um, it's and 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 straight through the the postseason, or not the postseason, but rather the fantasy playoffs. He he got it done for you. And in his last game he played, he only had fourteen completions. That's not a, a large number considering he had more than 20 in all but two games. He had 14 completions in week 17 for 281 yards and two touchdowns. Like, who does that? <laughs> He's just unbelievable. Um, 
And and this is for all intents and purposes his rookie season. I mean, he played one game in 2017. This was, you know, not out of nowhere because Andy Reid is a great coach and he and you know, uh they did they did, you know, they had a good offense under Alex Smith the year before, but Patrick Mahomes is worlds better than Alex Smith, and he has the upside that we obviously have seen. He finished with 50 passing touchdowns this year. That's just ridiculous. How how could he not be the MVP if he was on your team? I mean, I happen to know he was on the championship team in the Red Shirts Listener League, so um, he was he was my MVP in that league. But Patrick Mahomes, baby, take it home. Yeah, I mean, how how can you not pick him? It was a phenomenal season for Patrick Mahomes. Like you said, Kent, one of us had to do it, so you were the first one, I think, to put that name on the dock. So uh, kudos to you for that. And I will say, I remember saying early you know, in draft season, I'm not on Mahomes as much as other people might be because I haven't seen it, and I like to, to know what I'm going to get out of my quarterback. But, man, I wish I owned Mahomes this year. I did not own much of him. I do own one share in Dynasty, which is fantastic, and – I will probably never sell him, uh, but man, what a, what a season! And I guess we got to bring up now the the question is, does he do it again next year? And if so, is it the same degree of what he did this year? Oh, that's a good question. I I think largely because, well, I mean, there's there's a question at running back, but most of his receiving pieces will be coming back. You know, hope hopefully Watkins is healthy because he was actually really good when he played this year, but you know he. He had those issues with his foot come back, so that was kind of a bummer. But, uh, you know, if everyone's healthy for the majority of the season next year, this offense is largely the same. So I think there's good opportunity for him to continue, yeah. Yeah, I I can't see him. I mean, Peyton Manning had a season like this, and he never had another one, and that was late in his career. So I don't know if he can repeat per se, but I can't see him being less than a top three quarterback for the next five plus years, because yeah. he, his talent, his coach, his weapons—they're all among the best in the league. So you put them all together, and you easily have the QB one. Yeah, no doubt. Yeah. Next year in drafts, we saw this last year with Deshaun Watson, where he made that huge jump. He was drafted, I believe, it was like the second or third round. Deshaun Watson was. Uh, Will you draft Patrick Mahomes if he is in that that same price point for draft position? Nope. I, I have to answer immediately. No matter how good a quarterback is in the prior season, I cannot draft them before. Really, I just won't draft them because I'm just a late-round QB guy. I'll try and find the next Mahomes, which, you know, obviously this is not likely to happen, but someone like that. Uh, either on the waiver wire or late in the in the draft. So, no, I, I'm going to be out on Mahomes next year. Yeah, I, I mean, to your point, Kent, Patrick Mahomes kind of answers that question on, on his own because of where he got him in the draft. You're going to find guys, obviously they might not get 5,000 yards and 50 touchdowns, but are you telling me if Baker Mayfield gets a strong receiver or two next year that he can't be top five quarterback from the eighth round? I think it's totally doable. So you're going to find guys with plenty of value later. I would not jump too high, even on Mahomes. Plus, I don't. I think he's like going to go in the first round, and so I'm definitely very out. possible. I, I I can see it happening in almost every one of my leagues. To be perfectly honest, so yeah, I would not be shocked if that was the case either. Especially in you know your more casual office leagues or home leagues, those kind of things. Yeah, he's he's going definitely in the top twelve. Oh yeah. Okay. One one. 
One more question before we move on. Since we touched on Kittle and we're talking about draft spots, Kelsey, Ertz, Kittle, after what we saw with tight ends this year, would you be willing to take any of them, let's say, second round or earlier? Or does it have to be third round? I think if I'm at the back end of the second round, and that was my strategy for the year, I I switch sometimes, you know, I'll be honest with you. Sometimes I'm like, okay, I want one of those options. And sometimes I say, you know, the value wasn't right. I'm just going to go ahead and wait. Um, If it's the back end of the second or the third, I would be fine taking one of those options. And for me, it will probably be Travis Kelsey as my top tight end next year. I'll, I'll tell you what. I would say I will take the last remaining one of those three as late in the third round as I can afford, basically. I probably will not draft a tight end in the second round. I think I can commit to that idea right now, although I don't know. We'll see. But um, it's just, I don't know. Look what happened to Gronk this year. And now Gronk is a little bit older and he's had some injuries and we all just expected him to be tight end one. What did he even end up at? Actually, I need to, to look we'll at that. We'll talk quick. about it later. Let's Okay, let's talk about that <laughs> later. Um, yeah, so I, I'll take the last one simply on a value perspective. But, yeah. Real quick, go ahead and both of you guys, go ahead and rank those three. Who's your top three heading into to 2019 drafts? Kelsey Kittle Ertz. I would agree. So you got Kittle above Ertz. Is that because we're not I, sure I, if it's going to be Wentz or Foles? No. Um, for, for me, it's more, I think Kittle is as good or better. Ertz has kind of reached what should be his peak, I would think. And Kittle just has the upside to continue being, I mean, he could be the best tight in the league in a couple of years easily. I'll tell you what, it'll it'll hinge on if they keep Golden Tate in Philadelphia or not. That's a big component of uh, what happens with Ertz for me. Yeah, that's a great point. Also, Dallas Goddard. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, Goddard, how many touchdowns did he did he steal this year? I can't even remember, but it was probably five. Yeah, I was going to say he five. A, he had a good few touchdowns, so there's no one like that in San Fran to kind of suck away Kittle's value. Yeah, I don't blame you guys at all. I think that you could argue... Any order of those three, and I would say, yep, that's fine. And there will be arguments this offseason. One of the best times for fantasy is before anything happens because there's so much speculation, and I love that part. But uh, all right, let's uh, tell you what. Let's let's wrap up the MVP section. Let's go ahead and move on over to the waiver Wire Heroes. Oh, I had to let that one ride. That's just such a good mm. song. Uh, yeah, you can't of course, cut that the Avengers early. there. Yeah, <laughs> but uh, all right, waiver wire heroes. And these are heroes because you know you're having a down season. You've lost a couple of your early weeks. You're like one in three, but you go look at the waiver wires and you see a name and you think, yeah, I think you could be my hero. Let's uh, let's go ahead and talk about some guys who were our waiver wire heroes or in some cases a collection of people okada how about you kick this one off for us oh, again shocker okada picked nine players <laughs> <laughs> yep gotta stay I on brand <laughs> cheating once again none of you should be surprised uh for my waiver wire hero parentheses s parentheses i'm going with running back handcuffs and 
I'll be honest with you guys. I tried to pick one. I tried very hard. And it just couldn't be done. Okay? It, it would be a disservice to all the other ones. So I took them all, and I will just run through them really quick to remind our, you and our listeners of what we were able to get on the waiver wire. Now, before I get into this, I'm not saying you have to draft a handcuff to every RB that you get uh, in the draft. What I am saying is you do want to keep an eye on what, who are the upside handcuffs to get, when are the opportune times to grab them, and when their guy goes down and they're available on the waiver wire, you've got to spend up on some of them. So... James Conner, obviously he's number one. He was the RB7. If your draft was after the height of the Bell News, you may have drafted him, but for a large amount of leagues, you got him on the waiver wire, and he was incredibly good. Here's the one you may not remember, TJ Yeldon. He had a very strong stretch early in the season when Leonard Fournette was injured. Then they brought in Carlos Hyde, and Fournette was kind of back, and it messed all that up. But Yeldon was really, really good, probably got you a few wins. I think you could kind of call Nick Chubb a handcuff because yeah. Carlos Hyde was a clear starter when the year started. Yeah, when Hyde was there, so Chubb Nick was Chubb, doing almost nothing. Exactly. And he even if he was drafted, he might have gotten dropped after a couple weeks, and you likely got him on the waiver wires. He was incredible. Philip Lindsay, an obvious choice. He was the RB12 on the season. So an RB1 from not only the waiver wire, but complete obscurity, undrafted. Nobody knew about him, really. Uh, and and he was incredible for a long stretch of the season. Uh, a somewhat underrated one, Doug Martin, came in. Service of replacement for Marshawn Lynch after hey, Lynch went to IR. I, I believe I mentioned him on the sleeper episode. Yes, <laughs> yes, <laughs> yes you did. We all, uh, we all made he? I gotta, vomiting noises, I got to contact think, Heath because that, that was good. Anyway. Uh, the 49ers guys, Brita and Mostert even. Uh, with, with McKinnon's ACL. Both of them had good, really strong performances when they could stay healthy. The Gus Bus. We got to bring him oh, up. How could you of forget course. about Gus, the Gus Bus? Gus Edwards. So good. He was an RB1 over the last six weeks once they made him the starter and Lamar Jackson took over. So solid. Now, I'm really concerned about what's going to happen next year because almost the exact same thing happened with Alex Collins and we saw that just combust this year. So, no pun intended with combust. Uh, I hope Gus Bus is the guy because I love him. And to finish it off, the playoff extravaganza of Justin Jackson, Damian Williams, Elijah McGuire, and C.J. Anderson. Oh, my God. What do you mean? Unbelievable. We're talking about several weeks of week-winning performances from guys that were not even on their own team starting roster, let alone your fantasy starting roster. So that is my waiver here, RB handcuffs. Yeah, I, well, I can't blame you for picking... Literally all of those guys. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> it's so true. In redraft leagues especially, you can find RB2s on the waiver wire every single year without question. I will say, after hearing all those arguments, Okada, I'm kind of wondering, should I switch my draft strategy next year in August and say, okay, if, if all these guys at some point are available on the waiver wire, should I be drafting wide receivers early? Mm, zero RB. Is that your answer? You know, <laughs> I, uh, <laughs> it's scary. Here, I, I kind of like it. Here's my thing, and I'll talk about this real quick because I, I don't talk about this too much, but the zero RB concept is, is good in theory. However, the one fault I think it has and one of the paragons of it is that you can just get a waiver wire running back, right? Just go, Just go get one. Well, there's 11 other people that are always trying to get running backs. So I'm I'm very hesitant to just say, like, ditch the running back position, go get him on the waiver wire. You might get one or two, 
and that might be enough, but I, I don't think it's by any stretch of the imagination just like a certainty. So I, I handcuff RBs like you were, you list them all off. I have notes on all 37 of them. Um, no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> but that's, I mean, it's, it, they're league winners, man. I mean, the running back position is just so easy to swap someone in or out uh, of the of the real team lineup, and then you have a fantasy player, and that's all it really takes. So, yeah, I get it. Yeah, I was bringing it up more to be facetious because I've always been someone that says, you know, you got to leave the first rounds with a stud running back to kind of start your, your fantasy roster, and I will continue to do that, especially with, I mean, the depth at the top of the position this year is outstanding, Going into 2019, I mean, Todd Gurley, Saquon Barkley, Zeke, you know, Christian McCaffrey, you name it. So at this time, I think people are going to say, you know, I can get guys a little bit later and maybe I'll take a wide receiver instead. But I'm going to be strongly advising against that next year. I can tell you guys that right now when we get to July and August. All right. Well, uh, Betts, how about we swing over to you? Give me who your waiver wire hero was for 2018. Yeah, I pulled an Okada here. I went with just two guys, so it's it's not too bad. Uh, I'm going to go with rookie <laughs> amateur, yeah, rookie uh, quarterbacks, two guys that were not drafted. Um, I was going to put Baker Mayfield on this list, but I chose to leave him off because of the fact that when he was grabbed, it was probably earlier in the year. He was still fantastic, but the two guys I'm talking about are Lamar Jackson and Josh Allen, two guys mm. that I think – one was probably more predictable than the other. I think some people said, you know, this is the the end for Flacco. We're going to see Lamar at some point, and his rushing is going to be, you know, top-notch in terms of, of fantasy value. And those people, whoever were saying that, were not wrong because Lamar Jackson, from week 11 on, when he's finally started in, in replace of Joe Flacco with the injury, that was weeks 11 to 17. He was the quarterback seven overall. During that time span, he averaged nearly 80 rush yards a game, and he had four rushing touchdowns during that time span. I'll tell you what, I didn't even bother looking at his passing statistics when we when I decided to talk about him because it doesn't <laughs> matter. I mean, honestly, it really doesn't matter because anything that he does through the air is just added on value to what he does with the legs. And the same is true for Josh Allen, which, you know, I can't picture myself, you know, that last year at this time saying anything positive about Josh Allen ever. But for fantasy, he proved me wrong and he was amazing when he took over, which was week 12, again, to the end of the year after the bye. He was the quarterback one overall because of his rushing, which Ooh-wee. I believe wow. there was one uh, analyst on this podcast. It might have been Okada, I think, that said, <laughs> you know, you should start this guy as the start of the week. No, I'm just kidding, Okada. That was a fantastic call. <laughs> uh, and it, it worked out, man. Same thing. 80 rush yards a game and five rushing touchdowns. These rushing quarterbacks are worth their weight in gold in fantasy. I will probably be someone that really wants to draft Lamar Jackson next season if I can get him in the mid to late rounds. I love it. And I like the future for both these guys because neither of them had diddly squat in terms of receiving weapons. So if any of them or if either of those teams add somebody or two somebodies, they're going to have someone to pass through. Their passing should develop for both of these guys a little bit. And you just tack that onto the rushing they have and you're talking QB ones for both of them. I love it. Yeah, and you know, the funny thing is the juxtaposition of these two rushing quarterbacks is that Lamar Jackson is all designed runs and Josh Allen is all scramble runs. And actually, I was going to kind of bring this up earlier when we were talking about how it affected uh, LaShawn McCoy in the fact that the rushing 
isn't better for McCoy with Josh Allen because it's not designed. It's it's not that they have a, an option play between McCoy and Allen rushing. It's it's typically just a passing play where Josh Allen just nopes out of there and just starts running away. But it works out for him, and he's really athletic, and that's and that's one of his qualities. But it, and it's just super funny that these two have you know such good rushing totals in such different ways. Um, and they're both, I mean, like we said, good for fantasy because of that. Rushing quarterbacks will always be good for fantasy because of their floor. So um, I love it. Yeah. I would think one guy, you know, that we should talk about here, one thing we should say, I should say about these guys is the fact that, like you said, Ken, it, Josh Allen, it was not designed runs. And so is there anything to predict next year to say that maybe that coaching staff tries to rein him in a little bit and tries to make him more of a pocket passer and not risk himself as much? Do you guys think that that happens, or is this something we can count on moving forward? Yeah, and I mean, I kind of talked about this earlier in the year when they were starting Lamar Jackson and Joe Flacco was still working towards practicing to come back in the fact that they still need to know if Lamar Jackson can be a throwing quarterback because he's been fine and he got better over the course of the season but he's still not great. And so if this is going to be something that continues, they're going to need to make sure he can throw. So I think they will try and play in the offseason to be really heavily centered around you know working passing plays into their offense a little bit more. It probably will not be as rushing reliant as it was for the remainder of this season. We'll, we'll see how the playoffs kind of go for them if they make it far. Uh, we could see some interesting looks as to how they might want to use Lamar Jackson. So... Um, yeah, it'll probably be a little bit more passing next season. And one thing I'll say about Josh well, okay, one thing I'll say about Josh Allen is in comparison to Cam Newton, and I think that that comparison will be made and should be made because especially from a fantasy perspective, he's almost the exact same thing. But Cam had a thought he was a running back bruised through defenders running style. And I feel like Josh Allen is not so much that. He's got a little bit more speed, and he looks to make people miss a little bit more. And I think that that might help him from an injury standpoint and just the team being willing to let him run. On the Lamar Jackson side, he is extremely good at protecting himself when he runs. And it helps that they're designed, but he gets out of bounds, he slides. So I, his size makes it more concerning than Josh Allen's, but the way that he runs makes it less concerning. So I'm, I'm confident in both these guys having a lot of rushing uh, upside over the next few years. All right. Well, uh, I'll wrap it up. And, it, you know, unfortunately, guys, I'm sorry. I, uh, I only picked one name. Is that okay? Can I, can I continue? <laughs> I'll, I'll, I'll allow such a rule follower. You'll allow it. Okay. Uh, I, I, you know that's me to a T. But um, all right. I'm going to go with uh, Tyler Boyd, and you know if he hadn't gotten injured at the end of the season, he would have been a lot better, but uh, he was just so reliable all season long. I mean, in the last uh, five weeks that he played, so weeks 10 through 14, he only had single-digit fantasy points once, and this was with and without A.J. Green. Uh, you know, he was out there for uh, you know separate periods, but... Tyler Boyd, man, he he kind of became what a lot of people were expecting John Ross to be in his second year in the league, and and Ross didn't really figure that out. He ended up kind of being helpful in a different way. He it, a touchdown machine on such few receptions, but which is so the weirdest random. thing, yeah. And but he just never got that consistent usage. And you know, Tyler Bo uh, Tyler Boyd works from the slot, and he was really strong there. Uh, I don't, I see no reason why he won't continue that next season. 
he kind of fits the mold of uh, a third-year breakout, which is which used to be the norm for wide receivers and entering the NFL. And we kind of got spoiled by a couple of good classes, like twenty. Um, I think it was fourteen 14. or fifth. Yep. Yeah, twenty fourteen spoiled us a little bit on on rookie wide receivers and and young wide receivers. But Tyler Boyd, man, he he found a way to do it on an offense that was bad. I mean, seriously, that that offense could have been so much better. They had offensive line issues. Um, they had a lot of issues going on. They lost Dalton. They just don't have good offensive coordinator. It, it's a mess. So uh, we'll see who their new head coach is. You know, hopefully they don't hire Hugh Jackson there oh um, from gosh. that defensive Please coordinator no. position. That, that would be no. a nightmare for me. <laughs> yeah. But I think Boyd, uh, there's no, I see no reason he won't have almost this exact same role next season. So for that reason, I think he's going to be a great mid-round type guy. I mean, I guess we'll see how high his ADP gets uh, later in the offseason. But he he was a, he was free, man, because like I said, he was considered the third wide receiver. People got him on waivers. I don't think he was drafted at all. I did not check, honestly, because I, 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 I don't, wasn't in any leagues where he got drafted. So that wasn't like Dynasty or something like that. So uh, Tyler Boyd, yeah, I picked you up and I played you almost every single week. So thank you. You are my waiver wire hero. Yeah, I, I really like this one because I experienced it personally as well. He pretty much got me to the playoffs. Unfortunately, he wasn't there for them, but that's okay. Uh, I, I forgive you, Tyler. Um, but to your point of, of next season, I think he's going to be a great value next year, partially because of how he wasn't here for fantasy playoffs because of the injuries and because of the quarterback failures and the coach disappearing. Uh, which is a good thing, by the way, that Marvin Lewis is gone. 16 years of mediocrity is finally out the window. So hopefully they can get someone creative. And I think he could easily be a late single-digit round pick that is a wide receiver two all year long. So I love Tyler Boyd. Yeah, Kent, and just to speak to the fact, like you said, you don't think he was drafted. He was not drafted. These are guys okay, that yeah. according to – I'm on Fantasy Pros right now. Uh, according to to their ADP – if you were drafting him, you were drafting guys ahead of him like Bryce Butler, Bruce Ellington, Richard Higgins, I mean, J.J. Ooh. Nelson. And for most people, wow. you might say, who the heck is that? <laughs> <laughs> looking uh, looking back at past drafts, fantasy drafts that I've had is one of the funnest things ever. Uh, and also one of the most depressing things ever if you look at your own choices you've made. But Yep. Um, hey, that's fantasy, man. There's stuff like this is going to happen every year. There'll be waiver wire heroes in 2019 as well. So uh, let's let's go ahead and we'll switch up the mood a little bit. Let's let's talk about some guys that were a little disappointing. They are the busts. You were the chosen one. It was said that you would destroy this and not join them. <laughs> Bring balance to the force. Not leave it in darkness. <laughs> oh, oh my gosh. I officially declare that the drop MVP of the red shirt season. Yeah, we've got to create uh, a new you. category here for the drops. That definitely oh, thank is you. up there. Oh man, okay. I pulled that one up. I was so happy because that just fits so perfectly. <laughs> Uh, because frankly, these are guys that you drafted in some cases really high, really early in the draft, and they were just garbage. I mean, 
we'll, we'll, we'll talk about exactly why these guys were so disappointing for your fantasy teams. So uh, let's just keep with the, the tempo here. Go with the same, same order. Okada, lead us off here. Who is your bust for 2018? Yeah, so I, my guy is kind of the Patrick Mahomes, I think, of this round, not counting Le'Veon Bell. We all chose to not really consider him in this conversation because he's a whole other thing. These are guys who actually played this year and and still screwed your team somehow. And it's, very sadly, Rob Gronkowski. And it's very, very sad for me because I had him all over the place. Like Kent mentioned earlier, he was the tight end one, I think, for all of us, certainly for a large portion of the fantasy community. Their their receiving core coming into the season is Edelman being out. Uh, there was no Josh Gordon, obviously. It really pointed to this being a Gronk year, and he just apparently seems to have kind of fallen off a cliff. He did not look good. He looked largely slow. He was not getting open like he used to. He had maybe one or two games where he was really okay for you. And that was not okay considering his draft price, which was second round. According to Fantasy Football Calculator, he was 209. So mid mid to late second round. Um, obviously, you expect him to kind of lead that super tier of Kelsey and Ertz. He was not close to that tier. And to answer Ken's question from earlier in the episode, he finished as the tight end 11. Gross. Oh, my Lord. That's terrible. So bad like if you I think if I had tried to guess at where he would have finished I would have put him behind Jared Cook which in itself is gross but probably still like top seven or six or seven no tight end 11 he scored 8.3 half PPR fantasy points per game he missed three games which is something we've kind of grown accustomed to seeing from him but that didn't help obviously at all and one of the worst things about Gronk in comparison to a lot of other busts is you could not pivot off of him. For a running back who wasn't playing well or a receiver who wasn't playing well or certainly a quarterback who was struggling, you could pivot off those guys. Find a waiver wire guy, stream a quarterback. When it's Gronk, you have to keep starting Gronk. There's no one in the waiver wire that you're going to pick up and be like, oh, you know what? I think I'll start this guy over Gronk. No, you had to keep starting him and he kept screwing you. So it was awful. And just for, for reference... If you want to be depressed a little bit more as a Gronk owner or drafter, guys you could have picked him, uh, picked ahead of him, so guys he went just in front of, Joe Mixon, Mike Evans, who had, by the way, a crazy good quiet season, Tyreek Hill, Juju Smith-Schuster, Adam Thielen, all the other tight ends, including the 10 who were Literally better than Literally every tight end. <laughs> yeah. So, oh, it was it was messy. I'm sad. Uh I don't. I hope he gets healthy and fit and plays again next year. But honestly, if I'm if I'm being frank, I don't think he will. I think there's a good chance he retires. Yeah, I yeah. Was, that was gonna be my I question was, for you guys: is does he play in 2019? Well, I don't know. I don't know. I mean, I mean, I here. I think I. So I think Brady and Belichick will both be back. I'm pretty confident in saying that. And so I think that's the definitely the biggest factor for Gronk. If if either of those two leave, and if one leaves, the other's gonna leave, then Gronk will also leave. So this the Patriots, I'm sorry, Okada, is another team that once they get over this hump, there it's gonna be a big downswing for them, unfortunately. Yeah, I 
if they win the Super Bowl, which we'll talk about later whether that's possible, I think he'll retire. If not, and if those guys both stay, like Kent mentioned, which is a really strong point, I think he'll probably come back. I think he'll be pretty diminished, and we will not see the Super Gronk of old. Yeah, I think that those are excellent points. I will say, if that trio, you know, Gronk, Brady, and Belichick, if they're back for one more season, I might be in on Gronk because this year in drafts, if he plays, his ADP will be the lowest it has ever been since he's been in the NFL, maybe aside from his rookie year. Hmm. But, I mean, I predict he might go in the 6th, 7th, 8th round if, if people were burned by him the year before. I know he'll still hold a lot of name value, but if for some reason he falls, I think... At that point, I'll say, okay, Gronk, you've got one more chance. Yeah, I'm sure anyone who happened to still be in the championship game with Gronk on the roster was real bitter after the goose egg. Yeah, super bitter about that. That would (laughs) Um, be me. I can't imagine many did. I mean, you might be in the the minority there just simply because of, you know, the commitment you had to, to give to him as far as, you know, draft position and the fact that the tight end position is so sketchy anyway. I mean, you you gave up a wide receiver or running back for him, so it's probably we're few and far between, but people who owned Gronk, I can tell you I was one of them in the in the uh, Fantasy Footballers Writer League. I, I kind of got burned by him, so I'm not too happy about it. I probably won't draft him again. I you know I, I kind of took a chance on, on that strategy in that league, and that did not turn out for me, so I will probably shy away from, from that from here on out. Yeah. Uh, One little anecdote about about that, the league that I was raising my hand because I started Gronk in my finals. He was the only player on my team that I had after the draft. And it's a keeper league, a four-keeper league. He was the only person in my starting lineup that I had right after the draft. I sat Brady, who was a keeper, Gurley was injured, and almost everyone else was waiver wires or trades. So just a reminder to everyone that you don't win at the draft and while i didn't win i at least made it to the championship <laughs> you also so. can lose at the, at the draft <laughs> yeah uh i i had a championship roster that had one drafted player aj green he was a keeper i had three players that i had traded for and then the rest were free agents or waiver pickups it's you yep. know you can build a team that way it's not ideal but you can do it all right uh let's go ahead and talk about uh bets's bust of uh 2018 yeah, we've kind of already talked about this guy a little bit, so I'll be pretty brief with this. It's Leonard Fournette. I mean, it was just an absolute train wreck of a season, especially given the ADP that you had to invest in him to get him on your roster. According to Fantasy Pros ADP, he was the eighth player selected overall on average, uh, which, you know, you're taking him ahead of those top receivers, most likely guys like maybe DeAndre Hopkins or Devontae Adams, you know, a Keenan Allen, those kind of guys. And it just absolutely wrecked you this year. He finishes the RB 37 overall, which, you know, that's a little skewed because he didn't really play in that many games. He actually only finished, started and finished five complete games. Two of those were because of the hamstring injury where he got pulled early. And one was because of the, the ejection that he got for getting in a fight uh, against the bills. So in those, you know, eight total games that he played, he only put up 439 rushing yards and just 3.3, a carry, absolutely you know abysmal year for Leonard Fournette and I think that's going to leave a lot of fantasy owners with a bad taste in their mouth I wouldn't be surprised to see Fournette slip into the third or fourth round uh, next year in drafts and maybe rightly so like you said Okada he just doesn't seem 
Like he's able to battle through these injuries. He doesn't seem super motivated. We don't know what team he's going to be on. Uh, there's a lot of questions around Leonard Fournette. And if I own him anywhere in any keeper or dynasty league, I will be looking to get out from under him as soon as possible. Yeah. Okay. Has, uh, hasn't, hasn't his yards per carry gone down? Um, is this his third season? or No, it's just his second. This is second. his second. He came in in 2017. Um, and yes, it is worse than it was but, last year. But it, it went down. Yeah, it went down considerably. I mean, that offense, we talked about it earlier, is just not functioning. And I don't think they have an easy solution towards fixing it. You know, their wide receivers aren't really what they expected them to be. And their quarterback's terrible. And they uh, they have Austin Severian Jenkins. That's great. <laughs> um, yeah, I don't know. I. And and how can you commit to a running back on a team that you you don't expect to ever be scoring points or being ahead when a running back is most useful? Uh, yeah, he was terrible. And how many games did he play uh, this season? Eight. He played an eight total. Yeah, yeah, that stinks. Yeah, that that injury bug is one of the most concerning things for him. And by the way, for some perspective on that yards per carry, because while you, while your point bets that he didn't play in a lot of games and so that skews his numbers is true. He did so little with the work that he got. And like you mentioned with the 3.3 yards per carry, I just had to pull it up really quick for some perspective. There were 49 running backs with 100 rushing attempts or more, which is what most people consider the qualifier for running backs. He was 47th in the entire NFL. Only LaShawn McCoy and LeGarrette Blunt were worse. Oh, and my Lanta, that's so bad. <laughs> <laughs> and by the way, by the way, right ahead of him, 46, Carlos Hyde. So you got two Jaguars, a Bill and a Lion. And here's what I'll say. In I think I, I would say fairly in counter to what you said about selling him a dynasty. You see this on terrible offenses because defenses know that they can just stack the box. They don't have to worry about Blake Bortles or Cody Kessler. Because all that they're going to get from those guys is an interception that they can return for a touchdown. If they can get a decent quarterback, he doesn't even have to be that great. It could be Teddy Bridgewater, for all I care. If they can get someone who is respectable, that can keep defenses on their toes to some degree, I think Fournette is a talented enough runner that this number is kind of skewed by how bad his team is. And he's better than this. So I think that he, if he can get motivated, which may happen because of what's going on with the way the team is treating him right now, and he deserves it, but if he can get motivated and if they can get a quarterback, I think he's potentially worth buying. Interesting. I think I, I definitely hear what you're saying there, and it makes sense. For me, it's the name value and the injury risk associated with it. I mean, you guys know that I take a, a strong approach towards yep. that in, in my, you know, the way I play because of my profession. And I got to say, man, he's just one of those guys that I can't really ever see playing a 16-game season. And in redraft leagues, if you're drafting someone in the first or second round, you're relying on that, and I just don't think it happens. I think I predicted 13 games at the start of the year for Fournette, and he did even worse. He Half of that he was in there for. So, yeah, for me, if I can get fair value, I'm out. But if it's someone's trying to lowball me, then, yeah, sure, I'll hold on to him at that point. All right, well, I'll tell you what. I'll swing over to my pick here. And, and Leonard Fournette, he played eight games, and that sucks. But you want to know what sucks more? My guy played 16 games. Oh, no. And you might think to yourself, but wait, that's playing games is good. You want your players to play games and not be injured, right? Jordan Howard played an entire season. 
But it sure didn't feel like it because he was at best lackluster. He ended the season uh, weeks one through 16, I believe, at running back 24. So just barely a running back two. Uh, but no week you started him, did it ever feel like it was a good choice you were making? I mean, he only had two games all season where he rushed for more than 100 yards, the second of which was in week 17, so it was useless. And also he paired that with two touchdowns just to stab you in the back a little bit more. Uh, so just one 100-yard game all season long. He did get some touchdowns here and there, so he was able to have a couple of decent days for you. But, man, I, I, I just struggled to even have him in my lineup at risk of having one of those 25-yard games, 35-yard games, 13-yard games. These are I'm reading real stats. He had games where he had over 10 rush attempts and put up those kinds of numbers, and it was just disgusting. Tariq Cohen was way more valuable as both a rusher and a pass catcher in this offense with Mitch Trubisky and Nagy controlling the offensive tempo and things were a lot more upbeat compared to 2017 Bears. And now we've seen that they're in the playoffs partially because of that, partially because of their defense. They're a good team now. So they're going to they're gonna relegate Jordan Howard to just more of a minute role. You know, he's more in tandem with Tariq Cohen. They're like 50-50 backs. But he was drafted at the 207, which... Yes, it's not as high as Leonard Fournette, but here's why I think he's a bigger bust. Not to really compare them, but just you could you could sit Leonard Fournette when he was injured. You could just put him on the bench. It's a zero. Whatever. I'll put someone else up there, and hopefully they'll get more points. One of those waiver wire heroes maybe we talked about. But Jordan Howard, based on the name value and the draft position, you almost felt compelled to play him every single week, and he just put up duds. And uh, for that, he is my biggest bust of 2018 season. Yeah, I can't blame you for picking this one either, Ken. I mean, you talked about it. The draft capital that you had to invest in a player who played all 16 games and did nothing for you the entire season. And then when he did do something, it was because he was on your bench because you couldn't trust him. I just, I was so in on Howard because I thought, you know, the defense is going to be elevated. They're going to be in positive game scripts. You know, he was so productive his first two years in the league. I'm starting to wonder, is this his new normal, you know, with the defense being so elite and them not using him in the way they want to use Cohen? You have to wonder, is like I said, is this his new normal or is next year a little different? And I think the playoffs, if they can make a run here, are going to be very telling for what he is going to be in that offense. Yeah, so kind of similarly to Leonard Fournette, actually. So, He's had at least 250 rushing attempts all three seasons he's played. He started with 1,300 yards on the ground. Last year, he went to 1,100. And now this year, he didn't even make it to 1,000. It was 935. So that yards per carry average has gone way down. And uh, they just don't want to force the ball to Howard anymore. And so uh, for that reason, I don't think I'm going to touch him next year if I can help it. Yeah, one of the most interesting things is that what – you guys are talking about with our expectations which were the defense is going to be good the offense is going to be good and we'll see a lot of him in garbage time all those things came true except they didn't feed him in garbage time they you would think he would have gotten 25 carries in several games because the bears were so dominant and that never happened Tariq Cohen got tons of work Trubisky ran all over the place it was 
it was odd and unfortunate. And I think that it's probably because Nagy recognizes that Howard is not his most talented player by a good amount and is smart enough not to try to stuff it into his hands. <laughs> <laughs> nice pause for dramatic hands, yes. effect. <laughs> Science. All right, well, uh, those were our busts of the 2018 season. Hopefully you didn't have them on too many of your rosters because uh, they dragged you way down. But, um, you know, unfortunately, I'm sorry, boys, I don't have a drop for the uh, playoff chat we're about to do here. But let, let's talk a little bit about, you playoffs. know, the NFL. I'm sorry. Oh, I don't have perfect. Uh, oh, that would have been good. All right, you're the you're the drop now. Okada. I'm the drop. Yeah. Let's talk about um, playoffs. <laughs> but we are heading into the wild card weekend of the NFL playoffs. Uh so I'll just run down the, the matchups real quick. We got the Eagles facing off against the Bears, the Seattle Seahawks facing against the Cowboys. Uh, those are the NFC teams. And in the AFC, we have the Colts and the Texans, and then we have the Chargers playing the Ravens. Four teams on by. That's the Rams, the Saints, the Patriots, and the Chiefs. Uh, who do you like and why, I guess? Just kind of go ahead and run down maybe your bracket real quick, how you feel about it. All right, I, I got mine pull up, so I'll jump in here really quick. First of all, I'd say my two biggest upsets are Ravens over Chargers, which I don't know how much of an upset that is. Maybe Te- not. In technically fact, not. Favored. Does anyone know? Well, I don't know about favored, but technically the Ravens are the four seed and the Chargers True. are the five yeah, seed. The Ravens, but the Chargers they, record is obviously very, very They good. just beat them two weeks ago or three weeks ago, right? Yes, they did. They, they stomped them, honestly. Um, I think this Ravens team is extremely good. So I think they beat the Chargers. And then my, my other biggest upset in my bracket is that the Seahawks not only will beat the Cowboys at home, but then they will go and beat the Saints at home. Wow. And make their way to the NFC Championship game. But they will then lose to the Rams, who will meet the Patriots in the Super Bowl after the Patriots beat the Chiefs in Arrowhead again. And, of course... Obviously, you you know I'm going to go there. The Patriots are going to win it all. Listen, you can't bet against Tom Brady in the playoffs. Okay, don't I shake certainly your head can. Me, I certainly can. <laughs> Unless, uh, no by the way, how mu- how no matter how bad they look all year, which by the way is not that bad relative to the rest of the NFL. It's only relative to themselves and their own expectations. That once the playoff rolls around, they get crazy good. So I have them over the Rams. What do you guys got? You can bet against. Uh, by the way, the Tom Brady led Patriots. If they play the Eagles in the Super Bowl, then then oh, you can do true. it. True. If it's Nick Foles, <laughs> that's a whole other story. I, I was going to say real quick, the Ravens are actually favored by three right now. Wow, there you go. Then I'm not even taking the favorite. So you're with Vegas on this one. Yeah. Yeah. All right, bets. Uh, go ahead. I'll go ahead and give kind of my predictions here. I like the Seahawks call a lot. I do think they beat the Cowboys at home. Um, I also like the Bears to take the Eagles. Texans to beat the Colts and the Ravens to beat the Chargers. So you've got a relatively chalky first round. However, I will say things get dicey for me in the second round. I think there's a chance, and we saw it during the regular season, that the Ravens beat the Chiefs and move on to the AFC Championship game because of a couple of things. The defense, and we talked about it already, you know, with Lamar Jackson and what he's doing, he did it so well against them in Arrowhead, and they almost beat him in overtime. So I'm going to take them as my deeper run kind of sleeper. And I think from the NF, NFC, I think the Rams go ahead and get it done, and they will be in the Super Bowl as well. So you have the Ravens going all the way. I got way. them going all the way. Wow. Huh. That's impressive. Yeah. They're really good. I'm scared. If things go like I expect them to, the Patriots have to face them in the divisional round, which honestly terrifies me. But 
What? Okay, hold on. A bets. How can you not take the Eagles? <laughs> I knew that was coming. What do you mean? <laughs> it's Nick Foles. I'm tempted to take the Eagles, and you're an Eagles fan. Uh, I wanted to take an approach here that was more of a sound, logical approach and not be a homer. Uh, however, I will say, I'm not counting the Eagles out of this game. I don't think that they're going to necessarily pull it out, but I think it's a lot closer than people think. I just think that defense in Chicago, playing at home um, with the shortcomings that the Eagles unfortunately do have, uh, I think that they go ahead and pull that one off. But, hey, I hope I'm wrong, and I hope they make a run. <laughs> well, I'll tell no, you what, yeah, boys. I, I, I'll tell you what. The easiest way to not be a homer in the playoffs is to not have your team make the playoffs. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> Brilliant. <laughs> um, yeah, no, I this Chicago Bears team is stellar. Uh, like I was saying earlier, both sides of the ball, they're really strong. I got them beating the Eagles, and um, so that means they'll take on the Rams – uh, in the second series, and I think they beat them too. So I'll, we'll see a Bears in the NFC Championship, probably mm. against the Saints. I think the Saints can take down uh, whoever wins out of the Seahawks and Cowboys almost no problem. So that one's interesting. I still haven't really decided who I think will win between the Saints and the Bears. I'm leaning Saints, but I kind of think I kind of believe in the defense wins championships uh, right now, and that's kind of the reason I can get behind the Baltimore pick. Uh, but let's let's head over to the AFC. I, I think the Colts, who are one of the hottest teams in the NFL right now, they have won. Let's see, what is it? Nine uh, out of their last ten. Thank you. Yeah, you had it ready. I, I had the W's in front of me, but I had to count them real quick. Nine out of their last ten, they are so hot. Uh, they're the sixth seed, but they don't feel like it. Uh, so I think they're going to roll over the Texans. Uh, and I also have the Chargers actually beating the Ravens. They are one of the best combinations of offense and defense this year so i'm gonna get uh, i'm gonna take them over the ravens even though i do like the ravens uh, i think the chargers can do both uh just a little bit better in combination so uh the kansas chief uh, excuse me the kansas city chiefs will beat whoever plays them because they're insane <laughs> um and then the patriots but i don't see it i don't see it this year with them honestly i mean without gordon you know you can say what you want about gordon but he was actually a key component of their offense for the the weeks that they had him on their roster so uh not having him is a big kind of you know negative and edelman's there and gronk who knows if he'll actually commit but i don't see it with the patriots this year man i think that uh well let's see because with receding as i'd have to look at this again the Colts will play the Chiefs, uh so the Chiefs will beat them and then the Chargers uh, yeah oh the Chargers will beat the Patriots no problem and uh, so that's going to be Chiefs Chargers AFC Championship in I'll take Foxborough. The... Yeah, that's fine. I'll take the. Uh... <laughs> yeah, it doesn't matter. <laughs> I'll take the Chiefs. Oh God, no! I think I might take the Chargers over the Chiefs in the a- uh, AFC Championship game. Uh, they, they did beat just... them a few weeks ago. The Chiefs defense is just not good enough to get through uh, a team like the Chargers, which we saw recently. So that would leave the Chargers in the Super Bowl playing against the. Bears. I'm saying Bears. And, oh, uh, the big scary Bears! I'll say the big scary Bears, and I'll, I'll I'll say the Chargers win that game. Oh wow, Chargers Super Bowl champions! Yeah, I like their team a lot. And, and Betts and I have them both losing in the first round. By the way, okay, this is my <laughs> main, my number one prediction of the whole bracket: the Chargers will lose their wild card game to the Ravens on a missed field goal. Wow. Calling it. Why? When it happens, at me on Twitter. Why is that? <laughs> because this always happens to them. They have a great team, and then they choke with a bad kicker. Now, this this year's kicker has been decent. 
Badgley. He's been pretty good. But when it boils down to it, and they're in a tough situation, and they've they've come back strong against that Ravens defense, and they've driven down the field to the 30-yard line, and they have to kick a 48-yard field goal, they're going to miss it. And it's going to be Chargers out, calling it. Okada, you've been pretty uh-huh. spot on with your predictions, so I, I, I kind of hope that happens so you can keep saying you're right. It's been, it's Except been my over-under predictions where I got last place. <laughs> Those were not great. Those were not great, I'll be honest. Well, <laughs> may, maybe we'll set up, uh, I think the NFL.com does like a pick em thing. Maybe we can set that up for our predictions Ooh. here and see who, who is the winner. Um, we'll sort that out. Um, yeah, but uh, I think that's it. I think that's all we got for this episode. I mean, we went long. It's an hour, 20 minutes right now barring uh cut downs but Woo. yeah um uh, good job fellas yeah what are you guys to here's... give uh we had to give a little extra bit you know to last people it's like blubber in the winter or something <laughs> yeah <thing. laughs> we'll and, leave uh, you with here's that. to the 2018 <laughs> season uh yeah so i, I just want to say congrats to you guys we did we did an awesome job sticking to our schedule all 2018 season we did a good job uh with the waiver episode and the you know the wednesday show so I'm proud to say that we made it through and didn't have too many hiccups. I mean, it was pretty smooth. So uh, way to go, gentlemen. We got a lot of stuff coming in the off season, next season, hopefully there on after. Um, we'll, we'll get some of that stuff figured out. I know things kind of quiet down a little bit uh, after the playoffs, but once free agency, the draft starts picking up, we'll, we'll get those shows up. We, we may have a few more before then. We, we haven't really decided yet. So we'll, we'll discuss things, get everything keyed away, Lined up, ready to go, 2019. The red shirts will be there uh, slinging out podcasts for you. So, gentlemen, do you have any uh, last words for the 2018 season? It was fun, guys. It was a great Um, great first season. I'm looking forward to building on this one for next year. And to all of our awesome listeners out there, thank you so much for supporting us this first season. If you liked what you heard, or maybe even if you didn't, Drop us a, a rating and a review on iTunes so we can really grow and learn heading into next year because truly we're doing this to help people and help you guys win championships. So um, let us know how we're doing. It, it would mean a lot, and I think it helps us a lot too going forward. 100% agree with all of that. Can't really add too much to it. I will say this. I'm going to say it on the podcast so that I have to be held to it. At some point, we will get red, red shirts. Yeah. Yeah, that's for gonna happen. Listeners. It will happen. Maybe it'll be what you get for uh, winning the listener league or leaving us a review or something. But red shirts, red shirts will be will be out there at some point. They are coming. There's got to be a way to make to make that funny. Like there's a, there's a, there's a good bit in there somewhere. We'll figure it out. Um, I'm we have a long laundry list for this off season of things to figure out. So uh, hopefully we figure that out pretty quick and we can get you that information and. You guys will be the first to know. If you're listening to this pod, you're going to be one of the first ones to know. I can guarantee it. True. All right. And, uh, you know, I'll just say this right now. I'll kind of give you a little bit of foresight in the next year. This is probably the last time I'll play this song because I feel like we should have a new intro mm. or outro uh, for the off season, next season. We'll see. I kind of, I kind of designed this, or not designed, but I kind of picked this one last minute uh, before we started the 2018 season. It just stuck. So uh, it's been good when we used it, but I feel like we got to get something that suits us, and uh, maybe we'll get a customized intro or something. We'll see. But I'll just go ahead and tell you this is the last time we'll play it. Um, from the bottom of our hearts, thank you so much for listening, staying here all season long, locked it in. 
Uh, we really appreciate you, the listener. So thank you. And for the last time of the 2018 season, well, maybe not. We'll see. But <laughs> We just can't get Yeah, <laughs> I, I can't even commit to it. Uh, we can't. I'm, yeah, but thank you so much for listening. We'll have more podcasts in the future. Don't you worry about that. We are the Red Shirts.